quiz time. Yay! Who's this? this? Who's this? this? Beautiful. Um, guys, I have a promise to make. I have a promise to make. Who would like this block of chocolate? Of chocolate. Ryan Tong, your hands were up first. Your hands were up first. I promise to give you this block of chocolate. Um, I'm just gonna adjust. Um, I'm just gonna adjust the height of this mic stand. There we go. There we go. Why does it get chocolate? Because I because I promised it. Because I, I promised it. Ryan, you need to believe that I am believe that I am trustworthy. You need to believe you need to believe that I am willing. You willing. You need to believe that I am able to fulfill my promise. To fulfill my promise. Keep that in there. Trust. Keep that in there. Trust that, uh, and we'll keep going. Um, um, unfortunately for Ryan, our promises seem to our promises seem to be made to be broken. Right? Broken. Right? Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure that you're not the only. I'm sure I'm not the only. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room that has made promises. That has made promises, and then found out that I've either found out that I've either unwilling or unable to keep them. Uh, uh, it's pretty hard to keep your word. To keep your word sometimes. It's pretty hard to keep. It's pretty hard to keep uh, a promise that you have committed. I was doing some. I was doing some research into the effects of broken effects of broken promises, and I found some website called found some website called Mind Tools that like help you in business. I don't really know. I don't really know. But they, I found this quote. Can we this quote? Can we go to the quote from Mind Tools? The quote from Mind Tools. There we go. Thank you. Um, they are talking about the personal consequences. Personal consequences of having promises broken, promises broken, as well as the professional, conse professional consequences of having promises broken. Uh, they're talking about how the, consequen the consequences of um, having, your, um, having your trust broken and these, promises, and these promises not fulfilled can be deep and enduring as you go, as you go back on your promises, whether or, not it's whether or not it's intentional. And they said, uh, the person uh, the personal consequences of breaking your word can be very serious. Your, prof your professional standing will decline, decline as more people lose their trust, lose their trust in you. You may come up with all manner of excuses for your of excuses for your behaviour, which can further damage your further damage your reputation. And when you feel and when you feel shame or guilt, you could start to suffer from stress, stress. Or or a crisis of confidence. This of confidence. Guys, promises are hard. Guys, promises are hard. Promises are hard. They're easy to make, but they're hard to make. But they're hard for us to keep. And 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 we have all been on the receiving end. Been on the receiving end of some broken promises. I'm sure that we've all been hurt. All been hurt by someone not keeping their word. Their word. By someone not doing what they're doing. What they say. What's our approach to promises as Christians? As Christians, and and as we think about broken, we think about broken promises in our lives. I wonder if lives. I wonder if we take that attitude and that hurt and that lack of trust. And I wonder if trust. And I wonder if we take that attitude to God. To God. Today in Galatians chapter three, in Galatians chapter three, we're going to be thinking about how God is a God that makes big promises. Makes big promises. And God is a God that keeps. God that keeps. His promises. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, um, and we're going to see what God has to say for us today. Let's pray. Let's pray.
Our Father, we thank you that we we thank you that we are saved through faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. We thank you that, as we were reminded last week, that He redeemed He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to the blessing given to Abraham might come to us to us through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise, receive the promise of the Spirit. We ask, Lord, we ask, Lord, that today you would help us hear what you have us hear what you have to say. That you would help us love what you have to say. That you would help us. That you would help us trust what you have to say. You have to say. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. His name. Amen. So God is a promise-making promise God. That's our first point on your point on your imaginary outline that you have in front of you today. Have in front of you today. Um, Paul, as he's writing to this Galatian church and church and church and church, and he's trying to encourage them uh, to uh, to. Recognize and remember, recognize and remember that they're saved by trusting in Jesus alone. They're not. They're not saved by what they do. They're not saved by. They're not saved by all of the times they go to church. Times they go to church. They're not saved by all the time that they read their Bible. They're saved by trusting. By trusting in Jesus. And we've heard, and we've heard that there's been some people who were coming along and tell who were coming along and telling them otherwise. And so as Paul's making this argument, he does what he meant. He does what every good preacher good preacher does, and he has a sermon illustration. Sermon illustration. So, Bibles in front of you. Open them up. Galatians chapter three, verse fifteen. Chapter three, verse fifteen to twenty-five. If you didn't already have them, didn't already have them open. Come on, guys. That's all right. That's all right. Here's what uh, Paul says in verse fifteen. Can we have that on the slide, please? On the slide, please. Thank you. It says brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Let me take an example from ev- example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside, can set aside, or add to a human covenant, to a human covenant that has been duly established, duly established, so it is in this case. It's really, it's really hard to change something that is legal, something that is legally binding. It's really hard to, it's really hard to change something that is kind of like a contract, like a contract. Covenant here isn't just yeah isn't just yeah just the name of a school or isn't just a vague and empty just a vague and empty promise. What we see here, what we see here is we actually see this is like a will. This is like someone's last someone's last will and testament. They say when I die, when I die, this will happen. This will happen. When I die, I promise to give this to this person and to this person and this to this person. And when that will. And when that will has been made, no matter how no matter how how much fighting there is between the kids that are like going to inherit the stuff, going to inherit the stuff, or other people, that people, that can't be changed. Once once the contract, once the will has been made, that promise is not is not changed. And that's kind of and that's kind of like what's happening here. Paul is Paul is saying that Abraham is someone who received a promise, received a promise from God. Abraham, this, Abraham, this guy who lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, who had a barren wife called Sarah, and wife called Sarah, and he himself was very, very old. God said, very old. God said to him, "I am going to give you. I am going to give you land. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you and your descendants and your descendants." Into a great nation, great nation. God made some big and some big and some massive promises to Abraham, and He's saying that He's given that He's given these promises, and the law that came later, law that came later, has not changed. 
has not changed a thing. God makes big promises, makes big promises, and God doesn't change the terms, doesn't change the terms of his promises. Changing the terms of the promise would be to go against the very character of God, the character of God, the character of our God as a God of our God as a God of truth, a God who makes a God who makes big promises and works to fulfill them. His word can be can be trusted, and so as he speaks about so as he speaks about this, he goes back into the back into the original Hebrew that the scriptures were written in. Oh wow! Let's oh wow! Let's have a look. At the next few verses, verses sixteen to eighteen. Verses sixteen to eighteen. The promises were the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say Scripture does not say and two seeds, meaning many people meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced, the law introduced 430 years later, the years later, does not set aside the co- set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away and thus do away with the promise. For if the in- for if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise of God. But God in his grace, God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Now if you're like now if you're like me and you're a little confused, let's let's slow it down. So we say at the start, God God made promises to Abraham and to Abraham and to his seed. It wasn't his it wasn't his like little basil plant that he got from Woolies. It was it was to one of his descendants. His descendants. Uh, this is this is God's this is God saying to Abraham, 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 you and one of your kids will be these people that I'll make these promises. These people that I'll make these promises to. You will have a great, you will have a great nation, and you will be ultimately blessed, ultimately blessed through one of your kids. And so he's saying he's making this he's making this argument with saying it's one seed, it's one seed, and not many seeds, many seeds to show us. That this promise is waiting for one seed for one seed to come. That the Jewish pe- that the Jewish people are waiting for one waiting for one person to show up. They're waiting for one person to fulfill and to fulfill all of the promises. And, and that person is Jesus. What is what a joy. And this is the promise. This is this is the promise that God has made. He said, I will give you land. He said, I will give you land. I'll give you blessing and I will make and I will make you into a great nation. The whole world will be blessed through you, blessed through you. Um, if you've had me in scripture, you might have been in scripture. You might have seen that we've written that on the blob, written that on the blob, on the board as blob. So it was like blessing, land, offspring, bl- offspring, blessing. If you ever want to remember the pro- want to remember the promises to Abraham, that's how you do it. How you do it. Abraham, you will be blessed. You will receive land. You will uh, you will uh, have a great nation. So you'll have offspring. So you'll have offspring, and through them you will bless. You will bless the world. That's the kind of promises of God and of God. And at junior high earlier this term, I mean, earlier this term, I mean, earlier last year, we earlier this we earlier this year, uh, we heard a junior high person say a sentence I'd say a sentence I'd never thought I would hear before, which is hear before, which is dear God. Thank you for the blob. Thank you for the blob. Uh, thank you for the promises that have been given to Abraham. Given to Abraham. And so when God makes these, so when God makes these promises, do we tr- do we trust Him? Did the people of God back then trust Him? Back then trust Him? Do we trust Him now? Him now? 
Ryan, come grab the chocolate. Oh, the chocolate. Oh, just catch it. Ooh, great catch. Sorry, actually, sorry, actually throwing it to you defeats the whole purpose of the illustration. But purpose of the illustration. But Ryan didn't need to do anything to do anything to receive that chocolate. All Ryan needed to do. It wasn't. <laughs> it was not already open. Um, all the Ryan needed to do was the Ryan needed to do was to trust in me, trust in me, trust that I was trustworthy, to trust that I was to trust that I was able to give him the chocolate, and to trust that I was willing to give him the chocolate, willing to give him the chocolate. Uh, but uh, but that's the difference here between a prom between a promise and a contract. Because if I was like Ryan, you can, if I was like Ryan, you can have the chocolate if you help pack away the you help pack away the chairs at the end. Then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, it's no longer up to me as the promise maker, but it's actually maker, but it's actually actually to the one that receives the promise that receives the promise. It's then just a contract, just a contract. It's just a job description. Because if I said Ryan, you have if I said Ryan, you have to receive you will receive the chocolate if receive the chocolate if you do this, then you're gonna make sure that you do you're gonna make sure that you do that. Because it's pretty good chocolate. But then it will depend it will depend on you if that was the case. That was the case. It would depend on your respond your responsibility, on your ability to to tick the boxes, on your ability to on your ability to get the job done. And the moment that you fail, the moment that you fail, I can just take that chocolate away. Chocolate away. The people of God 2,000 years ago were really worried. Were really worried. They were really worried. Were really worried about God not, not, um, uh, not living up to His promise because they'd had it kind of, kind of confused. They weren't trust. They weren't trusting in the promise. They were trying. They were trying to earn what has already been promised to them. They were trying. They were trying to work through the law. Through the law. To be right with God. Be right with God. They were trying to work through the law to receive the promises that was that were given to Abraham. And that's the issue with this Galatian church. With this Galatian church, they've gotten caught up on the law. The law isn't a bad thing. Here's our, isn't a bad thing. Here's our next point. I think winner. This is winner. This is God's purpose for the law. The law was never. The law was never a bad thing. Sometimes we hear it and we think, oh no, rules. Oh no, rules and stuff. Or like we're saved by or like we're saved by faith, so therefore rules are rules are bad and shouldn't be a thing. But God wouldn't have given the law if have given the law if it was never a good thing. Good thing. God gave us the law, us the law, as a good thing. And so the question is why? This is a great. This is a great question, and we see Paul ask this. Paul asks this in verse sixteen, and we're gonna we're gonna read from we're gonna we're gonna read from verse seventeen. It's on the board. What I mean is this. The law is this. The law introduced 430, 430 years later, that is 430, 430 years after Abraham, because that was Moses. He was like the next, he was like the next big dog in the faith. Uh, the, uh, the law introduced 430 years later does not 30 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus established by God and thus do away with the promise, promise. So the law isn't here. So the law isn't here. The law didn't come to replace the promises of God. The law, the law is a good and is a right thing, and is a right thing, and we'll look at its purposes in a second, in a second. But it didn't come to replace the promise. 
The law was given to the law was given to people that had already received, received, and already trusted in trusted in the promise. And so this passage then gives two reasons for gives two reasons for why we have the law, for why the for why the Jewish people two thousand years ago were trusting years ago were trusting in the law, and why it's a law that we don't need to necessarily to necessarily follow now because Jesus has come to fulfill Jesus has come to fulfill it. But here were the two reasons that were given two reasons that were given back then, as outlined in Galatians. One, the law was added for law was added for sin, and two. And two, the law was always going to be temporary. Going to be temporary. One, the law was added for sin. Two, the law was going to be te- was going to be temporary. Here's what Paul says in verse nine. What Paul says in verse nineteen. Oh, already there, winner. Already there, winner. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because it was added because of transgressions until the seed until the seed to whom the promise referred to had come. Referred to had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator, a media mediator, a mediator, however, implies there is more party, but implies there is more party, but more than one party, but God is one. God is one. Do you see that at the start there? The law was given because of transgressions. Transgressions. See, people suck. This one thing you need to know about the world. People suck, and number two suck, and number two thing that you need to know about the world is that people is that people struggle to see that they suck, that they suck. And so when God gave the law, He actually gave everyone a kind of like a li- kind of like a line. He gave everyone a boundary, everyone a boundary with which to live their life. And so then, and so then, people like me can see every single time they step over time they step over that boundary. The law was there. The law was there to show not like not like how to be saved but to show that we actually are in need of saving in need of saving in the first place the law was the law was there to show that i that i actually had done the wrong thing and to show that i actually needed i actually needed to trust in god in god because even though because even though we might sin a little or we might sin a lot even though we might do some, we might do some of the right things, some of the wrong thing. Every wrong thing, every single one of us, one of us, is someone who is sinful before God. Every, every single one of us is someone who has crossed someone who has crossed that line, who has said, who has said, "Screw you, God, I'm in charge." And that's what the that's what the law showed. One of the kids at morning church last week described last week described sin as as a scribble all over our heart, heart. And I think that's a profoundly helpful thing, profoundly helpful thing for us to think about. Think about that sin is actually where we turn our hearts not to where they're meant to, not to where they're meant to to our Creator, but we turn them inside. We turn them inside to ourselves, where we look where we look at ourselves and not our God. Our hearts are directed inwards at ourselves, inwards at ourselves, rather than upwards towards God. Towards God. I've been reading a book by a guy called Tim Keller, who is a super, who is a super smart Christian man, and he, in, and he, in his book about um, Galatians, which I've um, Galatians, which I've been reading, he says this. He says the law did not come to tell us about our, tell us about our salvation. That is how we be saved. How we be saved, but about about sin. Its main purpose is to show us our problem. Show us our problem, that we are lawbreakers. We are lawbreakers. 
and to prove to us that we prove to us that we cannot be the solution since we are unable to be perfect law perfect law keepers. We are we are lawbreakers and we cannot be we cannot be law keepers. That's why we have sin. Sin is like this sin is like this giant magnifying glass showing us glass showing us that we are broken. Okay. That we need help. That we so often don't so often don't do a good job at loving God and so often God and so often don't do a good job at loving others at loving others. Part of the law is that there are is that there are consequences to ignoring to ignoring and to rejecting the law rejecting the law. And that's why we need to be saved. That's why we need to be saved. That's why we need to be saved and that's why God made a promise in the first a promise in the first place. That's why he promised to send, why he promised to send his son. He promised to send someone who would come and who would who come and who would who would die and who would suffer so that suffer so that we can be set free from this free from this sin. So that we can be set free from the evil that is within all that is within each and every every single one of us. And so God didn't just make these promises, but he actually worked, but he actually worked to keep them. He act, he actually worked to fulfill, to fulfill these words to Abraham. So our last point, the fulfillment of God's promise, God's promise is the one who sets us who sets us free from the law. The law. Uh, that one. There we go. Thanks so. The people of God for the people of God for years and for years we're waiting years we're waiting for Jesus to come. We're wait we're waiting for God to show up and to do what he promised to do. And it's and it's hard to wait. It's hard it's hard to know that a promise hasn't yet been hasn't yet been fulfilled and it's hard to wait for something. And so that's kind of why people that's kind of why people so quickly turned to trust turned to trusting in doing stuff stuff rather than trusting God. I heard this story the I heard this story the other day of a Jewish man in the 21st in the 21st century in America who really 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 wanted to meet God. And he was like, "Okay, I'm definitely going to meet God. I'm going to meet God. I'm going to do all the right stuff and stuff." And so he did all the rituals, he followed all the rules, he followed all the food laws, he like didn't go out like out of his home like out of his home on a saturday he did he just did every he just did every kind of thing that he needed to do and needed to do and then there was finally the, the day of atonement this festival called this festival called yom kippur where it said where it said that once a year that jewish people can hear that jewish people can have their sins forgiven and they can go and meet god and they and they can go and be right with God. And so with God. And so he did it and he went and he went to this ritual. And he went to this ritual. And then the rabbi said, actually, you can't do that because your shoes are, because your shoes are made of leather. This man was heartbroken. Heartbroken. This man was devastated. This man just wanted to know, wanted to know God. And he was he was told that actually the way to know God, way to know God is by doing stuff rather than accepting accepting the promise and rather than trust and rather than trusting him and so as to people that we, and so as to people that were trusting in anything else people like this jewish man and people like jewish man and people like us that jesus has come has come here we are in verse 19 verse 19 um, the law was given because of transgressions until 
the seed the seed to whom the promise referred had, promise referred had come the law was given un- because of transgressions until until Jesus shows up up the last image that Paul uses last image that Paul uses in his argument about this law is to say that we're not under the law but grace under the law but grace is because of the law is like a ba- the law is like a babysitter the law is a guardian the law is a guardian who is temporary who is not our real parent who is not parent who is not going to be around forever forever the law was this harsh kind of baby harsh kind of babysitter i asked a bunch of people this week uh, or last week actually about week actually about bad babysitting stories they had stories they had there was quite a lot that it's a lot that involved poo and vomit. Will Jansen, you might remember him. He led year twelve. He led year twelve last year. He said one time he knew this. Ba- one time he knew this babysitter was coming. He didn't like, so he just vomited. Like, so he just vomited. <laughs> so then the babysitter did not show up. Anyway, not show up. Anyway, my friend Laura told me of her brother who her brother who babysat her daughter Marty. Marty, is, uh, Marty, Marty is two and is very cute. Laura and her husband went out for dinner, or went out for dinner, or for lunch or something, and, and came back to find and came back to find Marty just absolutely distraught, absolutely distraught. Like like we're, we're saying, she's crying, she's wailing, she's not she's not doing anything. And as she's trying and as she's trying to talk with David, her brother, to try and work out brother to try and work out what the problem was, she realised that he forgot that children he forgot that children need food. So he so he didn't actually feed her feed her he didn't actually do what she needed he didn't actually care for her and actually care for her and so marty couldn't really articulate it but was really articulate it but was just waiting for her parents to come home her parents to come home and was just waiting to be relieved and to have her hunger for her hunger fulfilled see that see that is just like the law the law can the law cannot give us sustenance the law cannot save us the save us the law was always going to be a temporary thing, a temporary thing, waiting for God, for God to do something about it. And indeed he did. Indeed he, indeed he did, because, indeed he did, because Jesus has come. The seed, the seed to which the promise was made has come and it has been fulfilled and God has been fulfilled and God has worked through the death and the resurrection and the resurrection of Jesus to bring every single one of us, who, every single one of us who trust in him to God. Our God, our God is a big promise-making God. Our God is a God. Our God is a big promise-keeping God. In God, is this the one? Is this the God that you trust in? Do you think that God is trustworthy? That He's both trustworthy? That He's both willing and able to keep and able to keep His promises? Because truly, He is. Is. I combed through Galatians, combed through Galatians, and I'm going to close just with some of the promises, some of the promises that we actually have in Jesus. This is what the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians says that for all the people who trust, all the people who trust in Jesus, this is theirs, is theirs. Jesus gave himself to rescue us from this current evil, us from this current evil age. In Jesus, we are just, Jesus, we are justified. In Jesus, we are given a new life, given a new life with Christ Jesus living in us. In Jesus, we are made children of Abraham. Made children of Abraham. We are blessed by God. We receive the promise. We receive the promise of the Spirit. We are no longer under the longer under the law. We are children of God. We are one in Christ Jesus. We are one in Christ Jesus. 
with one, with one another. We are with one another. We are heirs according to the promises of God. We are promises of God. We are adopted as God's children. We have the Spirit in our hearts. We are known by God. We are children by God. We are children of freedom. We are set free for freedom, and we are for freedom, and we are freed to serve one another. We've crucified one another. We've crucified the flesh, and we will reap a harvest. These are the promises. These are the promises that God has for you, and this is just for you, and this is just in one book of the Bible. Bible. These are the promises that God has for you. Do you believe Him? Do you trust Him? Trust Him, because He truly is trust. He truly is trustworthy. I'm going to pray. Our mighty heavenly Father, we thank you, Father. We thank you for the promises that you have given us. You have given us. We thank you for the ways that you have you have you have, you have given us life. Us life. That you have saved us. We thank you for the us. We thank you for the promises that you made to Abraham and to his seed. We are, we ask Lord that we would be able to trust in your character, trust in your character, as someone who is both willing, someone who is both willing and able to fulfill his promises. Help us, tr- help us trust you. Help us know you. Help us live you. Help us live for you now and always, and always. In Jesus' name, Amen.